Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Child of. This week, I want to tell you guys a story. It's something I haven't talked about in a really long time. Something that I used to do, but don't do anymore. Something that, though incredibly destructive, was my coping mechanism for five years straight. I do, though, I want to warn you that this episode may be triggering to those of you who have struggled with self-harm in any sense of the word. I was a freshman in high school when I first started cutting myself. Though the idea of it had been on my mind for quite a while, I had scraped myself with some dull pink craft scissors that I had years before when I was in middle school. I'd also hit myself in the face with books sometimes while calling myself stupid or idiot over and over. There was a darkness that just seemed to live inside of me and it had been growing there for some time. It grew a little more every day that I spent in silence as my parents pretended to pay interest in me. My father would ask me when he got home how my day went and I would say fine. That he would be mad at me for not telling him more. But it is like he didn't remember how when I did tell him more, he would use that information to hurt me or ignore me. And fine was literally all that I could manage. I didn't have the energy to fight over how I shouldn't have done this or that or not being the right kind of Christian, or how my clothes were too tight, or how my priorities were wrong, and it didn't matter if I felt ugly, because according to my father, it was vain to want to be noticed. The words I didn't hear were the ones that drilled holes in me. I decided since no one told me I was beautiful, that it must mean that I was ugly. I decided since no one told me I was smart or talented that it must mean that I was dumb, stupid, or worthless. I decided since no one treated me with grace or compassion that I was unloved. And the agony set in. The silence burned me from the inside out. My heart became a thing that broke and got taped up daily. So I decided to find a way to bring what was invisible to the outside. I remember the day that I began to really feel like I needed this thing, like I needed to bleed, like I needed to feel pain on the outside to try to take away or distract from what was burning inside of me. And I remember scrambling through drawers trying to find the household hammer and once I found it I took it with me and I put it in my room and then I went to the bathroom and I got my razor blade that I used for shaving my legs and I took that and I went into my room and I closed the door and I took the hammer and I hit that razor as hard as I could so that the little pieces came out and I took those three blades and I taped them carefully into my journal and the pages, and I closed it for safekeeping. 
The next five years, my left forearm began to be where I waged my battles. And it became worse and worse. At the beginning, it was only one cut, and then when things got worse, it was one cut after another from my wrist to my elbow, as if I were trying to build a landscape. And what started out as a coping mechanism quickly evolved into something deeper, something that I would one day call addiction. If anyone had asked me back then why I did what I did, why I cut myself, I might not have answered them. I might have just been silent or given some weird explanation that didn't involve the truth. It wasn't until some time later that I fully acknowledged that the reason that I cut myself was because my father made me feel crazy and worthless and I needed some way to see what he was doing to me because it was all mental. The times he tried to convince me that I was lying when I knew that I wasn't. The way that he would repeat things until I couldn't take it anymore. The hours at the dinner table being forced to listen to him say the same thing 500 different ways. Staring at the wall and just praying for it to be over. The days that he was angry because I hadn't done something like load the dishwasher and it became a mark on my very character or the worth of who I was. I tried so very hard to be good but I didn't want to be lied to, and I didn't want to lie, and that seemed to be all that he was interested in. And the harder that I pressed back and said that I knew what I saw, that I knew what I heard, that it wasn't true, that I wasn't crazy, that I wasn't selfish, that I wasn't vain, the harder that I tried to prove to him that he was wrong, and that I did see things clearly, and that no matter how many times he said it, it didn't make it true, the worse it got for me. During that period of my life, I didn't know words like gaslight, or scapegoat, or brainwash. I knew what they felt like. I knew what it was like to live in those words, but I didn't have them in my vocabulary. All I knew was that something was wrong, very wrong, and nobody wanted to fix it. Nobody wanted to do the basic and human thing and to love me as I needed to be loved. I began to believe, after some time of this, that the things that they didn't say to me were true, that I was ugly, that I was unlovable, that I was stupid, an idiot, worthless. How else did my life make sense? And through that lens, I began to hate myself. And what was just a coping mechanism, that's how it became an addiction. Through hate, through misery, through isolation. The times that I spent sitting in my room watching myself bleed became some of my favorite moments. They were the only times that felt 
genuine, and everything else felt like a lie. And as the years crept on, I began to hear this voice in the back of my head telling me that each cut was not enough, that I needed to hurt myself more. And that's how it began to creep from one cut to two, to three, to four, to twenty, to twenty-five, to thirty. I cut other parts of my arms. I cut my leg. The more I hurt myself, the less it felt like it was enough. It was never enough. There was this feeling, this sensation, this voice telling me that that needed to be more and more. And somewhere along the line, I began to recognize that this voice was the devil's and that he wanted to kill me. No one told me this. It was just a knowing inside of me. And I realized that if I kept doing what I was doing, that I would die. At this point in my life, I was not afraid of dying. It seemed like a welcome thing, but I understood that it would end my story and that I would never know what could have been. And it is what could have been, what could be, that kept me alive. While I was not in any way afraid of dying, I had so much hope that was just unrelenting inside of me and I can only attribute it to God reaching down and being ever faithful to me. Being that I was spiritually abused, I shouldn't have had any faith in God. It didn't make sense, and yet I did. Believing in God has always felt as natural to me as breathing. Despite the cruelty of other people, I always saw him, God, as something outside of myself, outside of humanity that was better greater, more graceful, more full of love and kindness. Somewhere along the line, my mom and my sister found out that I was cutting myself. And honestly, I feel, still feel sick thinking about their anger and disgust with me, the things that they said to me. I truly had no desire for anyone to know at all. I wanted to keep it private. It was not a cry for help as much as it was simply me coping with the situation. And if it had been a cry for help, it was definitely not to them, but to some outside source that could treat me with more grace and more love. When people talk about self-harmers being attention-seeking, it disgusts me because it couldn't be further from the truth. At least in my experience, I know that I didn't want people to know. I truly wanted to keep it a secret, and if no one had ever found out, I think I would have been happier. I didn't want attention, I just simply wanted to survive. I wanted to be able to experience life the way that my peers did, and there was a part of me that was very ashamed of how ugly my arm was becoming, and I hid it with anything that I could so that no one would find out. Unfortunately, since it became an addiction, it took over my life in a way that it wouldn't have otherwise if it was just for survival. And therefore, people did find out. My mom and my sister, some people that I worked with, found out because it had gotten so out of control and so blatantly obvious that it was at a point where it was really difficult to hide it. 
It was about this time that I ended up getting fired from my job because I was working in food service and uh, it had become, I think, apparent to the manager that I was in no place to be serving people food. This was really, really hard on me because my work family had become the only family that I had and going home and losing that was extremely painful but it also opened up the door for me to be able to get clean and to find a new path in life. When I finally did get clean, it wasn't some sort of magical moment. It was actually really, really horrible. It was an evening, I was probably close to midnight, and I had had a really horrible day and had to deal with my dad in a way that really triggered all of my old wounds and... I found myself in my room and cutting myself over and over and it just did not do anything for me. And I thank God to this day for that moment because it was what really showed me that it was time to stop. I wasn't getting the same adrenaline rush that I had used to get when I first started because my body was just so numb to being abused. After that night, it was two years, a little bit over two years, before I cut myself again. I had a relapse, and over the next few years, I had a couple more relapses, but for the most part, I stayed clean. Once I had left home, things got so much better and worse. It was a flux and flow, and then once I stopped having any connection at all with my father, things progressively got easier and I started to find peace and heal and it's been uphill since then. Honestly, going no contact has been the best thing that I could have done for my mental health. I've been able to break down walls that prior to going no contact I didn't even realize existed. I've been able to relax for the first time in my whole life and to not be in fear every day of how I'm going to get hurt. And that peace has allowed me to really cultivate a life where I'm able to stay clean, I'm not triggered, and I don't even have the desire anymore to hurt myself. I want to take care of myself. I want to build myself up. I want to give my body what it needs. It has been a really long transition, but I am so happy to tell you that I no longer hate myself. I love myself, and I am grateful for the person that God has created. My scars will always be a reminder of the reality of my childhood, but they no longer define me, and they no longer have any power or sway over how I live my life. And I found that I don't regret anything because I have learned so much from it. I think that people regret parts of their life because they don't know how to pull the wisdom from it and to learn from their experiences. The addiction that I had, an addiction that could have potentially killed me, showed me just how much I wanted to live. It taught me to choose hope to stay curious. It taught me that I was made with strength of heart beyond what I believed about myself. The future is always more than we can imagine in the present. And I wanted my future despite my present. 
I refuse to believe that abuse and neglect would be part of my life forever. And so I lived. I actually started running every day. I made it a challenge that I would run every day for one week. And then that led to two weeks, to three weeks, to three months, to an entire summer, to a year. And I was so proud of myself for doing something that built my body up instead of tearing it down. And ironically, running made me just as miserable (laughs) as cutting. I wish I had known that sooner, that I could have the same amount of pain and adrenaline that helped me wake my body up out of my anxiety that was healing and not destructive. That's all for this week's episode of Child Of. I'm your host, Joanna. As always, you can reach out to me via Instagram. Both my personal and the Child Of Instas are linked in the bio. I would love to hear from you. And if this episode impacted you, if you had a similar response to coping with a narcissistic parent, please hop over. I would be so blessed to hear your story. And if you're new here, episodes are out every Tuesday. So don't forget to subscribe and turn your notifications on so you know right when a new episode is available. I hope you all have a blessed and peaceful week. I'll talk to you again next Tuesday.